Sten Morgan here. I hope you're doing well. I want to announce that we are launching the How to Be an Elite Advisor course. We are combining all of our best teachings and ideas into a course that you can complete in less than a week. I want to share with you the best ideas that I implement within my practice that have helped me achieve more than I ever thought possible. I want to share how I have unique meetings with clients. What's the mindset of an elite advisor? How do you prospect in a way that'll separate you from other advisors? At the Elite Advisor Network, we reject average. I want to help you see what your full potential is and reach it faster. Set time aside this week to take the course. Click on the link or go visit gobeelite.com. I'll talk to you soon. Looking forward to continuing the 10x, 2x conversation. Absolutely. This episode is actually going to be 10x long. So <laughs> buckle up. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. Everyone looks at their thing. Length like, is really? not the uh, the 10x, 2x. No, it's it? not a quality. It's quantitative. It's quality. It is a qualitative. Yes. So not that, this is such a meaty topic. I mean, the book did a great job of kind of unpacking the idea of much different behaviors required yep. to reach, again, we talked about in our last episode, it's not all about you have to work 10 times as hard. Nope, you shouldn't. And we've yet to have an advisor we coach, you know, business owners I work with say, Sten, nope, I just want to work harder and make less. That if we say, if there's a way to help more people, make more money and, and work more efficiently, are you open to that? Yeah. And there is a better thing than you're doing now. We all have to admit that. No matter how much we have figured out, there's a better way to do it. You just have to find space to implement it. Yeah. And be willing to sit in the discomfort of the change over. And that's 10X and 2X is full of discomfort. And we want to dive into that a little bit deeper in the context of leadership. Yeah. I was having a conversation with an advisor this week uh, that was getting some communication from their leadership that, hey, we, we really need you to, to do a better job prospecting. And they said to me multiple times, they just said, they want more activity. Well, I want more activity. And I said, can I pose a different question or problem, which is, are you thinking about what activities? Because what I heard him saying was just, they just want more. Yeah. And you know, more of average is just more average. Yeah. Right. But it will drive your numbers. And so I think in the absence yeah. of better strategies, the default is just do more stuff. Yeah. Because if, if it's do more stuff or do less, doing more will usually lead to better numbers. Yeah. It may not be that you enjoy your job, that the, there's a better long-term outcome, but in the short term... If there's somebody in your firm that is judged based off of your short-term production, they will tell you just do more stuff because I need some immediate return yeah. on my investment on you. But it's short-lived. And so our argument or goal would be is what is the higher quality activity that still yields short-term results, but also long-term creates more efficiencies. Right. It leads into this first level of leadership, though, that essentially everyone starts at, I mean... I mean, most everyone starts at, which is the rugged individualist doing everything yourself. I mean, I'm, I'm hesitating a little bit because you are supposed to do joint work and team and things like that. But mm -hmm. but is, is it not the case that most people, when they begin, they, they have it really is up to them. No one's sort of like going, hey, here's a bunch of business. Yeah, I like the, the word you used there was kind of the rugged individualist because it is, you know, it's not comfortable, <laughs> it's on not rugged. efficient. Yeah. It is like, I'm just going to work hard to get results. Yeah. Um, and that is what a lot of us do. Uh, I was just talking to a client before we started yeah. doing this podcast and he has sold a couple companies. And what happens is even when he starts a company, once you adopt this, once you've graduated from, you know, tier one, all the way up to tier four, what we'll talk about a tier four leader, even when they sell their thing and start over, 
they very quickly build a team and manage it the same way. Yeah. They don't start over at yeah. rugged individualist. Yeah. But with so many advisors that were stuck there. Yeah. For potentially your entire career because you're making just enough to be like, well, this is, it's really a job. Like you're satisfied with the job of you help people, which is great. But when it comes to running a business, being a business owner, scaling your impact on people, yeah, being more profitable, that's just a rugged individualist is usually not even in having those conversations. Yeah. And I would say to some degree, you can't afford to have those conversations because this reminds me of sort of our first stage of being an advisor, that being a rookie, that you're just, this is like a survival thing, right? This is, this is pretty early on. But if you can't translate that into healthy leadership, meaning you're going to expect the same sort of activity out of people that, that you're doing, there, there's very little optimization at this level of leadership. It's literally just do it more. Yeah. And maybe you have a team member or two and they're just kind of sitting around waiting for you to tell them what to do. You have you haven't really led them to be a better version of themselves in that role. You haven't challenged them to have accountability. Like there's not much leadership happening here. Yeah. Except for, to your point, just enough to survive. Like the bare minimum to exist in this business. Yeah, and I and I, I hope this hurts some people because it's gonna and it should, because we care about you, is that at this point, if you hired someone, you probably wouldn't be able to manage them very well. And they're probably not the highest quality of hire because you don't really know who to hire yet. Because again, it's just, you're just doing your own thing. And again, that's, that's, it's fine for a while because maybe that's what you have to do to survive. But just as in our stages, which I think was like episode two, two through five uh, of this, of this whole podcast, it's like, Hey, that's fine. It got you there, but as quickly as you can get out of that. But the next stage I think is where a lot of, I mean, I, I don't know if you would put a number to this. What per, I'd be interested to know after we talk about what percentage you would put here, but uh, of advisors who get to this point and then just stop, mm-hmm. um, what, what percentage of people would say, yeah, this is the goal, which is fascinating that like mm-hmm. some people would say this is the goal and we're, we're, we're only halfway through. And the next one is level two is a manager who has recruited a team around themselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, that sounds like leadership and a high level of leadership. So, and maybe we have to talk about it in the context of the others, but I'll let you direct that. So mm-hmm. what, what, why is, why is, what are the positives and what are the negatives of this? At this stage, you're, you're experiencing some of the benefits of a team. You're realizing, hey, there's stuff I really don't enjoy doing that's not very efficient. And now I have some support in that level. But a manager, you're still just telling everybody what to do. You're, you're the bottleneck. You are the, uh, over-focused on quality control to the point to where you think any any mistake, any learning curve somebody might have is detrimental to the brand. You know, yeah. you, you kind of blow it up. And, and what you're doing unintentionally is highlighting yourself even more. Like, I just can't because it's, it's all about me. That, that a manager, there is some power struggle there of like, I am in charge, do what I say, I always know what's best. And there's a lot of advisors. I'd, I'd probably say, you know, in, in level one, the rugged individualist is probably... 60% of advisors. Wow. Managers, probably another 20, 25%. <laughs> I was like, we're running out. And if you're out, listening to this, we're, there's not, you know, when we get to three and four, there's just not a lot that have looked at themselves as true business owners, developed right. themselves in leadership. So for, for number two, well done if you if you were able to kind of, yeah. you know, we're not bashing this level, but well done if you've said, hey, I know it can't all be about me. Um, I, I've taken the risk to find some people Maybe you've lost some people, hired some people, gone through the tension that comes with leading people. But but if you feel like you're managing, and maybe even micromanaging, 
Yeah. The, the, the first step is you becoming aware of like, oh, man, like I want to figure this thing out. Like uh, maybe maybe leadership doesn't come natural to me. And we all progress. So if you were one and now you're too great, you're heading in the right direction. Yeah. The whole goal is that you don't get stuck. You yeah. don't stay there too long. I think the difference between one and two can be so big for so many people that it's like, oh, okay, I'm there. I finally got there. I finally got other people to be doing stuff. Yeah, your life, it'll feel a lot different for sure. And and then the other issue is then maybe your job becomes managing those people. But again, you're not running a business. You're just managing mm-hmm. people. And I think that's the 10X model is that you, the people that, you know, and it's cliche, the people you think of, you know, the Mark Cubans and, you know, the Tim Cooks or whatever, like it's just the Elon Musk. It's like, even Elon's got some weird stuff where he'll like get into the weeds. Really? He's probably not a good example because he's insane. <laughs> and I mean that in the most positive way possible. He's crazy. Um, but th- those who truly have a business that like they have freedom, they have their life. They mm-hmm. don't have to be there. Um, they're just not doing manager kind of stuff, right? Yeah. They've hired really high quality people. They have really great systems in place. Um, they're not scared when they get a lot more customers, mm-hmm. right? That's one of the things that I've seen with talking with some advisors. They're just like, I, I couldn't handle that many more people. Yeah. And that's a great, like, you, you know, I'm not great at math, but I don't think you can get to 10x if you can't handle two times as more, more people, yeah, right? That's a good point. So let's talk about the third, and then maybe we'll, it'll give two a little bit more light, which is a leader who has extracted themselves fully from operations with leaders in place to run everything, leaving themselves as a focus on innovation and their unique ability and, and able to 10x themselves. So I'm, I mean, that unique ability part we talked about in the last episode, uh, some as well, but they're able to, what's the word it was, um, extract themselves which sounds like such a negative, but mm. in this light, it's a positive. And that they've removed themselves, they innovate using their unique ability. Mm. Let me just ask a question, like, not scripted. How do you feel when I talk about that? When I say you, that level of leadership, you've extracted yourself mm-hmm. fully from operations. You have leaders in place to run things. It l- lets you focus on innovation and your unique ability to 10x yourself. Like, how's that feel? Two years ago, I would have said that felt really distant. Yeah. Like, I I couldn't even practically explain to you what the path would look like or what does the day-to-day look like. Yeah. Um, thankfully, that's the tier that I'm working my way into and trying to figure out. Yeah. And for me, that was hard to actually put people in charge of the companies I have. But as a leader in that tier, in level three, that doesn't mean you, and we've talked about this before, that you, like, walk away. And you just say, hey, everybody. All right, extract. All right, something good leave. I'm done. Right. Yeah. But you're trying to move, remove yourself, which empowers those people yeah. to make choices. And you are then stepping in periodically and consistently yeah. to kind of check and coach and encourage. Um, there's this natural tendency, and this, I've seen this in our business, to where it was like this company started as a person. Uh-huh. And then people came around that person, which is tier two. You're managing them. You've trained everybody at this point to just look to you and rely on you. Yeah. And it takes time for people to retrain themselves to say like, okay, we all have agreed upon what the end goal is, the parameters to get there. And now within that, I, as a team member, am judged off of the results in this very specific role. Now it's up to me to problem solve the solution versus I'm going to sit here until someone tells me what to do and I'll do it. With a lot of heart and a lot of care. Right. But I still have to just constantly be told what to do and fi- and corrected. Yeah. In this, and I'm starting to experience it, and there's growing pains to this. Like, no, no, none of this is easy. <laughs> Trust me. It's 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 hard, and 
days you feel like you made a big leap and then you're like, wow, did we just totally revert back to who we used to be? Yeah. And now, and when I talk to my other leaders, it's like the superpower we can have for the team is to be able to sit in this tension really well and encourage them along the way yeah. versus our emotions going up and down as, as things change. Because curveballs are coming. This is going to be hard. But at this role, you're able to empower people and then you start seeing them sit in the tension themselves and find solutions. And in them, you see these new parts awoken. Yeah. And they're like, I didn't think I could do that. Wow, I'm doing this. And they take more ownership, but it doesn't happen overnight. That's what I was waiting for. And I was going to mention was ownership that I think that the, the difference between a manager mm-hmm. and this level of leadership is that when you, you cannot extract yourself from operations unless people are taking ownership over those things. Mm-hmm. And it is the equivalent of, you know, if the manager leaves, people are like, I don't know where to go. I mean, it's like if you've ever seen, and yes, I go on YouTube trails like everyone else, but one of my favorites, and actually this lady was on Joe Rogan. She's a beekeeper. And she talks about like, you want to move the hive, you just take the queen and you move her and then they all move with the queen. Yeah. Like, and not a bad manager. It's like, you take the manager out and people, they literally like, the bees don't know what to do. They're like, what? What is our purpose in life? And the answer is they don't have one because their whole purpose is to serve the queen. But like that might work for bees, but for us, it's like, no, you got to be able to leave and then have people keep working. I mean, they literally go into a panic Mm. because they're like, I don't, I have, everything I did was about this person. I'm just, and so for you, what are some really practical things you can do to encourage those who are listening or watching? Stan, that sounds awesome. I'm managing people right now. What What do they need to hear or do to start to level themselves up as a leader to start to, you said a few things, which I thought were great, which is like, you have to be okay with letting people kind of find their way, mm-hmm. right? I think you have to hire people who care enough to take ownership, yep. right? If they don't care enough, they're never going to take ownership. It's not about paying them more, yep. right? So what are some other things that people can do to extract themselves? I guess they have to know their unique ability, right? Mm-hmm. What we call a superpower, yep. right? And they have to innovate. So what, what are some things that people can do? And then we'll, we'll talk about the last level. Yeah, I think as a leader, when I think about moving from, you know, being an individualist to like, hey, I manage and just tell people what to do. And that helps me be a little more efficient to three of like actually using the word like leadership is there's curiosity is a big one. Um, I was curious in the past, but I didn't know how to communicate that curiosity, which means if you can ask people good questions and help them get to the solution on their own. Yeah, that's much better leadership than walking into a room and just telling everybody what to do all the time. Yeah. And so I think that's a skill you can develop. And think about it, whether it's with, you know, your marriage or your friends or your team members. Like, do you go into a meeting usually asking questions first Yeah. to say, okay, maybe there's something missing here. I felt like we understood that this was the goal. But then when we talked about it, you were working on something totally different. Would you explain to me why that happened? Yeah. Because they could have a great reason on why. And you might be like, oh, I would have done the same thing. Yeah. And so I think that's a big one as a leader to where you're going in, trying to get as much information as possible. The other is you're not managing to be liked. And that was really hard for me. So I wasn't very curious, but I wanted everybody to have a good time at work and like working for me, with me, until I started getting better at saying, okay, here's the objective for your role. Here's what we're all shooting for. Here's what we need for you. And part of this was I had other leaders that could help keep people accountable with me. Yeah. Then you can say, hey, I really care about you. Hey, here's the goal. And you could be more of the, the cheerleader as opposed to the enforcer. But if somebody is not reaching what they have to, even though you have rapport and you're being kind, you have to, at this stage of three, have hard conversations. Yeah. And so I think I think these components of me going in and, and asking better questions, empowering people, delegating better, 
but then also saying, if this isn't working out, I'm not going to delay it. Because you know, before each individual person on the team, even me, like the mission takes priority. Yeah. So this last level, I think, is fascinating because I think the nuance of it is that it's about the people that you surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. So this is uh, level four, a leader who has built a business where everyone at all levels is empowered to refine their scope continually to focus on their unique ability. Mm-hmm. And as a result, the whole team is working on 10xing themselves. Mm-hmm. The shift of, you know, in three, it's about, you know, you, the leader, yep. or you watching and listening, like you, the leader. And suddenly it's like, whoa, what? I just, I just, I'm now I'm in a room of people that are running the business and they know their unique ability. They're trying to 10x themselves. Mm-hmm. And that, that is, uh, I mean, again, that's the promised land right there, oh, yeah. you know, to get to that level. But we know what happens. We know people that, are super proud of where they work and the work they do mm-hmm. and take complete ownership, um, even if they're not owners, right? But they 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 have such a a, a deep, um, you know, they're just committed, yeah. right? Yeah, and that's what that's what it's finding those people. So I th- is is maybe the challenge between three and four is you got to go find people like that. Well, what came to my mind as you were talking was culture and compensation. I, th- I think to get to that level, you you would want everybody to feel just like you do about the company, but it's, that's not theirs. At the end of the day, the risk mostly is on you yeah. as the owner, and they keep getting paid even if you're not profitable. Like there's there's always going to be some kind of disconnect. But with key leaders, people that you're really entrusting and you're holding to some higher level of accountability, there has to be some type of bonus structure, profit share to say, hey, if you're in the trenches with me and you're getting results, good things happen. Not, hey, as long as you keep your job, good things happen. Yeah. And so I think a lot of advisors, and this is something I'm kind of trying to stay aware of, of how these trends change, is what what is creative, motivating compensation structures? And then also saying from a culture standpoint, what makes a, a place great to work? You know, lunches are fun, outings, company Christmas parties, I think those things are great. But individually trying to develop your people, yeah, do they have a personal mission? What's their profession? Like how... How does their job fit in their life? And are there things you can celebrate with them? Those two things for me are, are what I'm looking to and saying, okay, you know, so if you're getting into tier three at this point and you're still figuring that out, tier four to me practically as a business owner is a tier to where I could step away from my business for two to three months and come back and it would be better. Yeah. Yeah. Tier three, you're like, I could go away for two to four weeks and come back and it would be as it was. Right. Tier one and two, if you leave, stuff starts falling apart. Yeah. And and every advisor we've coached and talked to, if we were in a room, they would be like, yeah, ideally this would be a healthy organization, not relying on me. Yeah. Very few advisors, though, are willing to take the necessary steps to increase their awareness of what's needed yeah. to go there and then stay the course. And a lot of that is our coaching program is that. It's we're going to help you find clarity on what the next steps are you need to take. Yeah. And we're going to sit there with you and be like, okay, remember why you're doing this. Yeah, of course it's supposed to be hard. Hey, that stinks, but yeah, that's normal. Like you need that third-party influence and coaching, and I've needed it to, to stay through the parts where you're like, it just feels like this isn't worth it. I want to go back to what was what I was doing before. I want to go back to the um, to the celebration and then the compensation. Like, I think that, was that your first one, celebration? Is that the word? Culture. Culture, yeah. So I was thinking about celebration because Which a lot is part of, of, things yeah, you, part of culture. A lot of things sure. you talked about. But I'll, yeah, we'll stick with culture. That, I think culture is super important, but I think that if, if if your culture does not include 
um, making you uh, better at work, better at your job. Like you, my point is, you can't run from life, but we're so fun, <laughs> and we have ping pong tables, and we sure. have like, like, like we saw that, and like it doesn't work. Like yep. it's a myth. It's a myth that like I just love going to work because it's fun. Like okay, that's, I won't work. I like I, I have fun at work. Mm-hmm. I have fun every day I come here. Like yeah. I cannot think of a day I came here and I didn't have some measure of fun. Yeah. Even if it's my own expense. Yeah, yeah I can nice. laugh at myself. <laughs> but, but I think at scale, real quick, yeah. those companies are like, let's be fun. It leads to just overhiring. Yeah. And it's just not a great business. It's no. still kind of working, but like what we've seen with, you know, when Elon Musk bought that company, he's like, we can run just the same exact thing with a fraction of the people and be more efficient. And so I think that's where businesses can go off track as far as like profitability and efficiency. Yeah. And the goal is is both. Like you want to balance Yeah. It. And that's what I'm saying. Like I what I would say is a person who I really highly, highly, highly value being liked and having relationships and having fun at work. But none of that matters if you're not getting better at your job. Mm-hmm. None of it matters if your company isn't profitable because yeah. you can't have fun at work <laughs> if your company closes. <laughs> That's right? right. And so for you as an advisor listening or watching, I think that, again, if you want to level up, I think that the best thing you can do is to hire the best people you possibly can and then get as much out of them as you can and I mean that in a positive way, like help mm-hmm. them reach their greatest potential. That's what brings me back to work mm-hmm. is like, there's more t- for me to develop and become. The mission is important. The culture is important. Mm-hmm. But because I know that I'm being invested in and that others that I'm being called, uh, I'm being made to feel uncomfortable. Like I welcome that. Mm-hmm. You want people who welcome that. Right? Sure. That's a, that's a healthy work environment versus what I'm going to go to work to not work. Like, mm. You know, yeah. I like taking a break, but it's like, I, I, you should you should like your work too. Yeah. So I think, again, if you're going to level up to this level of leadership, you need to get to the point where you're so good at culture and compensation that you have people that really, truly do take ownership so that you can leave. And then also, I think that level of self-awareness is massive, which I think is a good measurement for your listener watching. Like, you know, do, do my people know what their unique ability is? And if they don't really have one like is that the best person to be in that spot yeah. you know yeah i think the leadership is one of those things to where very quickly you could go from being pretty good to like knowing a lot about it yeah like the learning curve can be as steep as you want from books podcasts you know our live events our community that's something we lean on lean in on if you're like i don't know who to hire well we'll tell you to hire yeah and we'll tell you what their job description is to be and we'll tell you like <laughs> and then you'll describe that person or be like stop don't hire that person. <laughs> that's right because i mean look we've literally had this we're like listen they're great but like they can only work from like 11 to 2 three days a week and we're like huh yeah that like, doesn't work like that's not oh but i but i really like them okay well you can still like them yeah but don't hire them yes exactly <laughs> right so so i hope you're listening and i, I my guess is you will you want more out of your business awesome but it'll be difficult, but it doesn't have to be the long, slow path. And that's what, what part of our mission is, is show you like, there's this path you can take that most people are on. It's crowded. Or there's this path and it's harder, but it's more intentional. It's the outcome you want. And so as you listen, my hope is you're evaluating like, what, which path am I on? Am I making decisions that are just going to kind of be the long limp? Or am I taking decisions like, well, I'm getting uncomfortable and trying this stuff out. Yeah. Because even if you hire somebody and we'll teach you, you know, how to hire the right people more efficiently, but even if you do... The lesson you learn from going through that, I've done it multiple times, you're automatically better off. Yeah, and you won't. So to the act of doing it, even if not done well, is better than staying stuck. Yeah. Last thing I want to talk about, it, and I'm just interested in your thoughts on this. I'm thinking about that. I don't think 10x growth is slow growth. Like, I think by definition, it's, it's sort of a hockey stick thing. Like, mm-hmm. some really good things happen, and then you get some pretty 
quick growth or, or healthy growth or fast growth? Because I don't see a lot of people who do the slow, at least in this business, where they do the slow, like, I've, I I 10x, other than like they just, I mean, whatever, these assets just build up. So maybe you're 10x versus you were 30 years ago, but that doesn't really count. That's right. You know what I mean? Like, that's just inflation. Yeah, or, the, or the illusion of you hit a big one-time client and it kind of like oh, yeah. you, it gives you the, like, oh, we're doing great. No, your system's not great. Like, that's not happening consistently enough. There's not efficiencies. You're too into your business working too hard all the time. Like, yeah. So I think those are the things that, you know, an outside resource like, like us for advisors has been this this sounding board and this kind of this mirror to say, everything you're saying sounds like you fully believe it. What about this, this, and this? And by the end of the conversation, they're like, no, you're right. Like, I know that's not the right path. I know I should be doing this. I'm just not. Like, you need to get off of the island to get more clarity. Yeah, absolutely. So I hope that you'll consider getting this book, uh, 10X is easier than 2X. Um, and then when you feel super uncomfortable and lost, you call us, we'll help. Absolutely, we're here, we're <laughs> here to help. Thank you, Stan. Thanks, bud. Hey everyone, Stan Morgan here. I strongly believe that the advisor of the future is being paid for their time and ideas. Products are great, they help us solve problems, but you need to unlock all of your value. I was talking to an advisor the other day who just started charging for their advice, and they were trying to convince themselves to charge $1,500 for a financial plan just because that was a number they felt comfortable with. After spending a little bit of time with them and telling them how to whiteboard and quantify the value of their ideas, they over tripled their financial planning fee just because their conviction and confidence increased. These are the type of things we will do together live in Nashville in January at our How to Charge Live event. Visit howtochargelive.com and secure your seat before it sells out.